God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. Well, hello, everyone. God bless and welcome to another episode of Family Discussion. My name is Marcos Ortega. I'm so excited that you're here. And as always, I am joined by the amazing Lisa Spencer. Lisa, how are you today? I am well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I am on the edge of two weeks of vacation, so I'm in a really good mood. Just finishing strong, and then I get to take a break. How are you? Good, good. Actually, um, I, you know, I've been speaking of running. I've been running a lot, <laughs> running strong. <laughs> so, um, and we're going to LDR next weekend. So I am looking forward awesome. to that. Uh, fortunately, it's in Chattanooga, so we don't have to hop on a plane. It's a five-hour drive from Roanoke. So awesome. We will hop on, hop in the car. Well, I am jealous of you getting to do that. I will not be at LDR. Maybe one year I'll get over there. I also want to get to Legacy at some point out in Chicago. Yeah. There's these conferences I want to get to. And uh, every time I'm like, man, why can't anything come anywhere closer to New York? Not a single conference heading out into the Northeast. I guess there's just not enough demand up here. But, um, yeah, the front porch and... Uh, yeah, and Legacy and LDR, all these great conferences. I'm excited you get to do that. Is this first time there? At LDR, well, no, I was there last year, and I uh, you particip- spoke there last I year. I spoke. I participated yeah. in a panel, um, so that was a lot of fun. And then uh, I was there. My first time was in 2015. Okay. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's a you know, it's a great time. So we're looking, you know, this will be my husband's first time. Awesome. Uh, going so um you know looking uh, i'm looking forward to introducing him to the uh the flavor that is ldr <laughs> flavor okay <laughs> yes. i like that the flavor that is ldr it's a good way to put it so um today we are going to uh, follow up on the conversation we had last week yes. when we were talking about what is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And in that conversation, uh, Lisa, you defined a narrow gospel and I defined a broader gospel. Can you give about a 30-second a soundbite of what is, what, how your understanding of a, a narrow gospel, at least that's kind of, these are labels we're using that aren't necessarily all the way helpful, but they at least differentiate mm-hmm. a little bit for us. So what is a narrow gospel? Well, I would say at the heart of it is looking at what, you know, if you're looking at Genesis to Revelation, what is it that God is doing in his plan and his program? And that is redeeming lost humanity. Uh, Because man, if we, you know, reading Genesis 1 and 2 uh, correctly, that we know man is made in the image of God and man was put in the garden to 
you know, to give glory to God through the works of his hands, um, to be fruitful and multiply man and woman, male and female. Um, and so because of the fall, there was this uh, this rescue mission uh, that, it, you know, and the pinnacle yeah. of that is through, um, you know, through Christ Jesus. And so by placing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his work that he accomplished his atoning work on the cross, um, that is the, you know, the chief and foremost, um, you know, reason for God's plan to reconcile lost humanity. And so when we talk about a narrow gospel, now there's, you know, there's a way that we can make it narrow, narrow, that more narrow than it should be. And sure. I, and we're gonna and I, I, we're gonna talk about that in a yeah, few we'll minutes. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and then I was bringing what we're calling a broader gospel. So the narrow gospel is is really situated around the atoning work of Jesus Christ to save sinners from their sins, um, as as we see it through the whole of the Bible. Whereas a broad gospel, um, really, we see the gospel as the declaration that the kingdom of God has come. That the kingdom of God is has come, and her king is Jesus Christ. At the center of that message is still the cross. Um, it's still the cross, and it's still the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ that saves sin, uh, saves sinners from their sin. Um, but the gospel we see as as a little broader than that. It's that's the core of it. But then the whole of the kingdom is a way of doing life. It's a way of uh, understanding ethical commands, understanding social constructs, understanding uh, even what is the the chief end of our human existence. Is it just to um, save sinners, or is there more to it than that? Um, a broader gospel would say, yes, there is more to it than that, and that's all part of the gospel. Um, whereas Lisa, last week you called those implications of the gospel. Yes. Um, but the reason that we got into this conversation is because there's so much disagreement out there in the social media world, and disagreement maybe in our churches as well, where we hear someone say, or that's a gospel issue, or that's not a gospel issue, and suddenly people are going to war rather than um, kind of sitting back and saying, hey, what do you mean that's not a gospel issue, or what do you mean that is a gospel issue? Uh, because I think the terminology is a little different, but we would still say that um, as Christians, we should take seriously the ethical commands of Scripture. We should take seriously things like the Imago Dei. Whether we include that within the gospel or call it an implication of the gospel, I think we still end up in the same place, or at least pretty close, wouldn't you? Yes, yes, I would. It would. And again, you know, and just to remind our listeners that it's, you know, how we determine whether something is a gospel issue or not all hinges on how you define the gospel. And that's why this conversation is important to understand if someone says, okay, you know, so for instance, so someone who has a broader um, view of the gospel says this is a gospel issue. It's not, they're not necessarily promoting a social gospel. Right. Because, you know, if your, you know, if your umbrella is broader, then you're looking at issues that are a gospel issue based on how you're defining it. Right. And that's not necessarily a social, uh, social gospel. We really need to be careful in, 
you know, and how we make those kind of determinations. We do. And in the same way, we have to be careful for those who don't believe certain things are, are gospel issues. That doesn't necessarily mean the person doesn't think that issue matters or that Christians should be engaged yes. in that issue. Um, to say that, oh, well, then you just don't care about that issue. No, they're just saying it's not part of the gospel. And so that's why the definition right. is so important. And, and stopping for a second and actually listening and asking the question mm -hmm. before we start throwing out that, oh, well, then you're preaching a false gospel. Right. And um, I, think you, I think you brought up a really important point. And I think that this is something that really is, um, you know, an unfortunate aspect of how we interact on social media, especially Twitter, when you have these, you know, character limitations right. of, you know, when someone says that's not, you know, this, this is not something related to the role of the church or this is not a gospel issue. Right. We can't automatically assume that person is saying this doesn't matter. We don't care about this. I, and I think because I think what it, you know, if I'm if I'm observing correctly, the lion's share of the rebuttals of, well, you know, in, in terms of saying that's, you know, and it, for, for those who have a, a narrow definition of the gospel to kind of rebut it, it's, you know, on one hand, you know, is there a, a fear or a concern? that we are, you know, distorting the gospel. Yes, I, th I think that's, you know, that's a big part of it. But I do think that, you know, that there are, you know, people who are genuine in their concern, genuine in their, um, th you know, their desire to preserve the gospel and not necessarily saying, you know, these things are unimportant, but but we don't want to we don't want to lose what we consider the gospel to false gospels to a right. you know which is something that that we're about to talk about yeah because there are other false gospels that have taken root in the Christian church and and I think even in our reformed communities we have to be somewhat careful that they don't start to seep into our communities i mean mm -hmm. the reformed tradition has been very very careful to guard itself from some of these other false doctrines that are out there. But my concern is that we get so caught up in this debate on is one of us preaching a false gospel or not, that we are leaving the back door wide open for some of these other false gospels to just waltz right in and take up root. Mm. And we don't notice because we're over here having this kind of intramural fight and the real damage is coming in the back door. Um, so there's a handful of um, false gospels that we're going to talk about. Um, but kind of as a preface, this is something that, um, Lisa, you and I were talking about a little bit right before we uh, got started today. I was teaching a Bible study in Titus chapter 3, and I think um, Titus 3.2 is going to be helpful. It's in the context of rulers and authorities, but I think the word all that we're going to run in here is, is going to be helpful. Um, Speak evil of no one, avoid quarreling, be gentle, and show perfect courtesy toward all people. And so I want to um, remind our listeners that what we're going to try not to do is slander individuals. We're going to try not to attack individuals. We're going to go after what we think are some false gospels that potentially could harm the church in very, very uh, difficult and damaging ways. But I don't, if, if a person gets mentioned by name, um, our intention is still to speak courteously and to still speak as if they have dignity and worth because they do as someone who's made in the image of God. And so um, 
I'm saying that so that Lisa will remind me to be nice to people when I'm talking, and then uh, <laughs> Lisa <laughs> remind me. <laughs> I will. I will try and gently remind you as well. But if if you're going after them, then I'm probably I'm probably just gonna be cheering. So. Um, oh, wow. but, <laughs> but let's get into to a couple of these. And um, there's some that I think are, are impacting our churches, sometimes because of television and other mm-hmm. media. Um, one of the challenges that we run into in our church is that we have folks um, for about an hour and a half for a worship service. Our sermons run for about 45 minutes or so. And if the person in the pew is one of the um, overwhelming number that only come on Sunday mornings, and then only some of the time, then what they're hearing on TV and other media vastly outweighs what they're hearing when they come to church. Right. Um, and some of these other theologies are starting to come in. And so the first one we want to talk about is one that I think we're all on board with as being a false gospel, and that's the prosperity gospel. So Lisa, yes. I don't know if you want to talk for just a second oh, about what is the prosperity boy. I gospel. I have been on my soapbox about the prosperity gospel. <laughs> you have. Here You've is, talked about it. <laughs> yes. Because here is what's misleading in how we can think about the prosperity gospel to make it about money. The prosperity gospel mm-hmm. is not about money. Money is just a, an outcome. It's a, you know, it's a product of the prosperity gospel, but at the heart of the prosperity gospel is this, that, you know, so if, if the real gospel is about putting our faith, and trust in the work of Jesus Christ to reconcile us to the Father. The prosperity gospel says we put our faith in the rewards of what that means, you know, so that, you know, so the rewards can be, it can be prosperity financially. It can be in the form of, you know, um, you know, you know, employment progression, you know, and not that, you know, I mean, God, you know, God does give us good things. You know, he does look out for his children. But at the end of the day, our, we are Christians because we're putting our faith in the work and person of Jesus Christ. And he said, in this world, you will have trouble. And you cannot look, even read through the New Testament and, you know, and come to the conclusion that somehow, you know, that, that, that Paul and Peter and, you know, the Thessalonians and all of these, you know, the, the churches that were experiencing persecution were out of favor with the Lord um, because they were experiencing negative circumstances in their lives. Yes. And so once we, you know, when we start thinking that our, you know, that our, that favor with God is contingent or determined by the the physical circumstances of our life you know healing that's another big one that's you know and i one. would love for um you know for the the prosperity folks to like well so tell me what you what do you do with joni uh erickson tata right you know who is such a blessing from the lord mm-hmm. um and it's this it's this repudiation of you know of anything that has to do with losing I would say, you know, it is by yeah. a worldly standard that says if we are not accomplishing, if we, you know, if we don't have these material material rewards, then we do not have favor with God. No, what gives us favor with God is because Jesus Christ has rescued us from the dominion of darkness 
and translated us into his kingdom or yes. the father translated us into his kingdom because of the work of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, and so to put our faith and say our favor with God is dependent on anything other than that. That is a false mm -hmm. gospel. It is absolutely. And it's a false gospel um, that's not divorced from scripture, but they cherry pick some scriptures, right? Yes. So here's, here's one passage that I think is one that a lot of the prosperity folks would really, really like um, if you leave out the last verse that I'm going to read, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you go to Luke 10 and you're reading starting in verse 17. So the context of this is that Jesus has sent the 72 out. They do wonderful things in his name. They come back and they come back amped. They mm -hmm. are filled with the comeback rejoicing. Um, the 72 returned with joy and said, Look, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Mm -hmm. So if you stop right there, then that sounds a lot like the um, the kind of empowerment message of the prosperity gospel, that nothing can stop you, nothing can get you in your way. God has put his favor on you, so you just need to claim that power and that favor that he's given you, because it says here he's given you authority, that you can step on snakes and scorpions, that you can overcome all the power of the enemy, that even the, the demons will submit to you. Um, but the... The twist on this that Jesus puts on it is in verse 20. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Amen. The passage doesn't deny that there is in some way a favor that is put on his saints. Mm -hmm. But the favor that we receive and what causes us to rejoice is that our name is written in heaven that we're saved. So when they go proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, when they're saying the kingdom of God has drawn near and all of these amazing things are happening, what they're realizing is it's actually Jesus who's at work and it's Jesus who gets all the credit and the glory for it. Mm -hmm. And all I should be rejoicing in is what he has done for them and for me because my name is written in heaven. Um, it, it's, it's a twisting of some of these verses that I think... Um, People who, who just kind of take their word for it, be like, listen, it's in the Bible. Right. Well, you're right, but verse 20 is also in the Bible, and if you stop at 19, then you're going to really mess up what Jesus is actually teaching. Right, right. And, 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 and I'd say, and, and this is probably going into our, you know, into our second one, mm -hmm. um, in terms of what we do with experience, because sometimes yeah. we can put so much trust in our, you know, in our experiences, and this is sort of the underlying foundation of the charismatic movement. Um, and yeah. I would even go so far as to say the, you know, the new apostolic reformation, you know, that modern, yes. you know, that God placed modern day apostles and prophets in place and we're to listen to them. And of course, prophecy is, oh gosh, anything that just comes into my head and this is God oh, speaking. Man. And so when we start, you know, when we start saying, well, this is what God said and start putting our faith and trust in that, um, because there are times when these folks, you know, and I was, listen, I was kind of very deep into that movement and followed a thing what's called the Elijah list. And that is, mm. you know, modern day uh, apostles and prophets kind of so-called speaking 
for the church. Wow. And, and so when they, you know, when they come out and, you know, and, and say, this is how God is moving and you need to be obedient to this vision. Well, now we are no longer placing our faith right. in the finished work of the cross. We are putting it in what so-called prophet so-and-so has said of what, you know, in terms of what God requires um, in obedience. And that right. is a false gospel. So, so let me ask this question. Um because I'm curious your take on this. Um, do you see a difference? And this now we have officially moved into the second um, topic, right? So the first one was the prosperity gospel. Now we're talking about what, what I term the hyper-charismatic movement. Um, but I'm curious, do you see a difference between the charismatic movement itself and this new apostolic reformation, this, this hyper-charismatic movement that seems to be taking things in a very different direction than even the charismatic movement does? You know, it's... It's really just uh, charis, you know, the charismatic movement on steroids. Okay. Um, but the danger is, is that now you're anchoring it into what the Bible calls the foundation of the faith, right? So yeah. if we're going to look at what you know Ephesians two twenty says, and actually mm-hmm. let me, mm-hmm. you know, let me go there. Um. So I so that I don't misquote it, um, you know, so he says, starting in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundations, foundation, one foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Right. So. Yeah. You know, so this idea that it's, you know, so it's one thing to have an, ex- you know, to have an experience where we're, we're looking to listen for the voice of God. Um, right. We're looking for this wind of the spirit, you know, and, mm-hmm. and getting caught up in that. But it's it's something else when you start saying this is the foundation of, right. you know, of what God is doing. And it's a distorted. It's, it's, it's actually a perverted foundation. Um, And so that's where I think that that the, you know, the new um, apostolic reformation is, um, you know, can deviate and really deviate into a false false gospel. Yeah. And and it's, you know, so this isn't a debate over whether or not Christians speak in tongues like we're we're talking about a different thing here. We're talking about a a movement of uh, of preachers and evangelists who are. Really, they're they're preaching a a version of Christianity. Um, well, I don't even know if it is a Christianity, really. But they're 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 preaching a what what can look like Christianity. But you'll hear some things like um, when Jesus laid aside his divinity, what he was doing here on earth, his miracles and all of that were done mm-hmm. in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the power of the Son. So there's this strange. Um, removing of Christ's own authority and power as the Son of God. He's only relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we too can walk in that same empowerment and do those same things. And this causes people to start really looking for um, strange, strange signs and wonders. Um, He's a very well-known church that... um, 
there's a lot of pushback on this church now in Northern California, um, and and during their worship services, people looking for gold dust or angel feathers, and mm-hmm. um, it, it's kind of this really strange. Um, bringing heaven to earth, not in any kind of kingdom way, but more in this mystical, superstitious type way. Um, And one real hallmark of it is the elevation of the preacher himself or the preacher herself. Mm -hmm. Um, There was this thing that keeps coming around on my social media feeds. There's a new new tour kicking off right now um, with one of the up and coming leaders. The dude is, looks like a bodybuilder who just walked in off the beach, um, long dreadlocks, incredibly attractive man who just is, is exudes charisma. And what was interesting is that some of the older leaders in this promo all talked about him and his power and his character, not about Jesus. None of it was about Jesus. It was all about this guy. Um, and, and that's one, one thing, whether it's part of the New Apostolic Reformation or whether it's part of any other kind of, even if it's in our own Reformed tradition, if it's about the guy, mm-hmm. that's a massive red flag. Like, yeah. that should freak you out. If you walk into a place and it's all about pastor so-and-so, mm-hmm. mm, then, then that's not really um, a church that I would feel comfortable in because when you come into a church... It shouldn't be about the pastor. It should be about Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and the pastor, if you love the pastor, it's because he's able to bring you into the presence of God, not because you are blessed by being in his presence. Yeah. Um, and the New Apostolic Reformation um, seems to talk a lot about, well, you want to be in the presence of God, but it really seems to be you want to be in the presence of these folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You're absolutely right. So... Those are a couple of the ones that I think most of us would be like, yeah, those are those are problematic. Those are false gospels. There's another one that kind of surprised me. Um, I thought I thought everybody kind of knew this, but it's coming back into the church. And and one writer, Michael McClymond, has said that it's actually he, he calls it the opiate of the theologians, and he's saying that it's making a comeback in the American evangelical church, and it's the false gospel of universalism. Um, which I was very surprised by because I kind of just thought that we knew universalism wasn't going to be in line with Orthodox Christianity, but we're starting to see a resurgence of this. So, Lisa, do you, would you be able to encapsulate a little bit just what is the teaching of universalism and then why that might be attractive to folks? Well, you know, and so this, well, of course, you know, this is a little bit of a rub for us as Presbyterians. But if we're, <laughs> you know, if we're reading, yep. you know, who did Jesus, for whom did Christ die? The um, elect. You know, and so there are, you know, there are, you know, looking at certain passages and saying, well, Christ died for all. Um, mm-hmm. But that all is always contingent on, you know, on, on those who place saving faith in Jesus Christ. Well, universalism right kind of eliminates that step and basically says Christ died for all, period. Um, right. And, and either undermines or, or eliminates, you know, the need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his yeah. atoning work on the cross. The, the best spin you could put on this, I mean, the worst is that Jesus was only a victim of Roman persecution and that his death is more of an identifying with the oppressed rather than it is, an, and there's no saving anything happening there. Right. The best way you could spin it 
is that Jesus did atone for sin on the mm-hmm. cross, that there was something that happened there. Mm-hmm. It's just that the extent of the atonement is universal. He died mm-hmm. for everyone in that moment, regardless of whether or not we put our faith in him. His atoning sacrifice is enough to save us from our sins. Um, that just flies directly in the face of, really, of Jesus' own teachings. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go right back to that Luke 10 passage. In that Luke 10 passage, he's he's pronouncing woes upon these cities that don't receive the message of the gospel. It would have been better for Sodom and Gomorrah. It would have been better for Tyre and Sidon than for these um, present-day cities that reject the message of the gospel. It mm-hmm. definitely flies in the face of Paul, mm-hmm. who is saying, you know, you go back to Ephesians 2, like you just said, is for by grace you are saved through faith. Right. Um, earlier in chapter 2, saying that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, which doesn't sound like someone who has been universally redeemed. Um, It calls into question even why we do any kind of missions work at all. Like, let's Mm -hmm. just leave folks alone, Um, which maybe a universalist would say, yes, amen, leave folks alone, stop doing what you're doing. But it it does fly right in the face of Scripture itself. And, And I'm concerned... You know, that, that some high-profile evangelicals out there, mm-hmm. they seem to be flirting with this a little more than I thought they would, um, mm. because it is uncomfortable. Like, let's just be frank. It's uncomfortable to look at somebody and eventually in the course of conversation have to tell them, yeah, if you keep, doing, if you, if you keep living outside of Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not fun. Anybody who enjoys that conversation probably doesn't have their heart in the right place. Like, let's be honest. Right. It's yeah. an uncomfortable thing to say, but that doesn't mean it's not true. Mm-hmm. And universalism is going to send a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be honest, you know, this is something that has concerned me about the, you know, when we talk about social justice mm-hmm. and the way that Jesus's work is defined. That it, you know, that, you know, he has come to, you know, to free the oppressed. And, you know, and and if we focus so much on, you know, on oppression and, you know, bring of the marginalized that we're kind of, you know, in danger of eliminating, um, you know, his work on the cross, that reconciling work on the cross, um, because they're so, and, and I'm not saying that everyone who uses this language is doing this, but I think that there's, I think that there's a danger there. I think the danger is real. I mean, we we can talk about this now um, as as we go. We're, we'll reference these kind of these other categories that we already established, narrow and broader. And and I think there's a danger in the the narrower view of the gospel um, mm-hmm. that can lead us into a false gospel. I think there's a danger in the broader understanding of the gospel that can lead us to a false gospel. We do believe that the kingdom of God has come, that it is being established on earth, it is in heaven. We are praying for this to be true, that the kingdom of God is established here on earth. And we do believe that um, Jesus Christ is about upsetting the apple cart at times. That as the kingdom of God grows and develops, ungodly, unjust systems will crumble around it. Um, that's just, they, they can't coexist in the same place for eternity. Eventually the kingdom of God will win out. Unjust systems will be crushed. And because we know that it's coming in the future, we are praying that we can um, see echoes of that in the present, right? Mm-hmm. But if we are so focused on the echoes of the gospel, 
that we are ignoring the gospel itself, that's a problem. The gospel is, yes, the kingdom of God has come. The gospel is, yes, that there is work to be done as Christians living out our faith. And, and the gospel is broad. It's about the kingdom for those of us who have this broad perspective. But oh my goodness, if you leave the core out of it, if you leave, it's like pulling the core out of an apple, mm-hmm. right? That apple isn't going to live. It's not going to survive once you core it. And if you pull the atoning work of Jesus Christ and his physical resurrection out of the gospel, whether even if you're trying to hold to a broad gospel, mm-hmm. if you're so focused on what's on the edges of the gospel, if you will, that you're missing the center, mm-hmm. or if you're never bringing people to the center, if it's mm-hmm. just okay enough for you that mm-hmm. they've joined you in your social justice crusade, mm-hmm. then, then you haven't gotten them far enough. You need to get them to the cross, and I'm all for co-belligerency. I'm all co- I'm all for working with folks who are outside of the mm-hmm. faith to do the to do good work in this world. Mm-hmm. But my goodness, um, we cannot leave the center of the gospel out, right? A- and and that's a definite danger in this broader understanding. We start talking about right. social justice a lot. Mm-hmm. We, well, I'm all for that. But true social justice has to be rooted in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. If it's not, then it is what the critics say that it is. It's just this other social machination. It's not really mm-hmm. the gospel. Right. So let me ask you a question then on that. Yeah. So, you know, so advocates of social justice will say that, you know, that God, if we look in the Bible and look at, and especially the, the Old Testament, Mm-hmm. Um, and that God's law was rooted in justice. Yes. Um, and so because of that, we, you know, there, there are corrections that should be made um, in this life now. Now, I think you and I will agree that it's not fully going to be made until Christ comes back. Mm-hmm. Do you see a parallel between what a lot of social justice advocates promote and a form of a prosperity gospel that says we know that God is moving because of these favorable circumstances in life. I think that's a great question, and, and I've heard this posed before. Is the social justice movement just another form of the prosperity gospel? And you know, it's, uh, I appreciate you asking the question. Here's where I think um, there's a, a big difference. Advocacy for social justice is about um, identifying those things that are anti-Christian, right? So oppression is an anti-Christian thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, injustice is an anti-Christian thing because they're anti-Christ, they're anti-God. We see that throughout Old and New Testament. Social justice is about saying, listen, those things that are against the things of God, we want to be against those. We're standing against those things that would um, adversely affect the image bearers that God has created with worth and dignity. And if, they, if, if there is a system that denies somebody's worth and dignity, we want to fight against that. But here's, here's where I think there's a, main, a major difference between that and the prosperity gospel. What I see in social justice advocacy is not a triumphalistic attitude, but more a sense in which we understand in our gut that the fight's never going to end until Jesus comes back. Um, 
we're not going to arrive. We're not going to come to a place where injustice is wiped out. We're not going to come to a place where we arrive at a completely peaceful society. That's not going to be there until Jesus comes, because sin is truly at the heart of every single human injustice. Mm -hmm. Uh, The prosperity gospel would say, listen, you have power to break down all of these strongholds. Social justice advocates, if we're rooted in the gospel, would say, no, Jesus has power to break down these strongholds. We're praying that he will. We're going to fight against those strongholds, knowing that until the final day, there's going to be work to do. There's a fight to fight. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of triumphalism of the prosperity gospel is missing from the Christian social justice advocates that I know. Um, that may not be the case for everybody. There may be some who are kind of that old school post-millennialist who just thinks if we can get the earth good enough, then Jesus will come back. Um, I don't know those folks. The folks that I know who are doing this work um, kind of have have resigned their lives to a frustrating, heartbreaking work, knowing that it's never going to truly come to pass until Jesus comes. Hmm. So I hope that's a helpful distinction. I don't know if I answered your question quite what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah, I think you did. But then on the flip side of that, I know that you've talked about a, you know, that we can make the the gospel so narrow that it becomes mm-hmm. a false gospel. Talk talk about that. So so there's a tendency, I think, when I hear um, those people who would say, "Listen, the gospel is uh, very. It's, it's just about the atoning work of Jesus Christ." All right, cool. Many like yourself will follow that up and say, and there are implications for how that affects the rest of our lives and how we engage in social situations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. We're using different terminology, but we're, we're pretty close to on the same page on this. Mm-hmm. There are those, though, that I'm hearing who are advocating what I call gospel-onlyism, where all we do is preach the gospel and nothing else matters. Um, I saw it a lot growing up as a dispensationalist. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all about just get people saved before the rapture came, uh, and that's it. It's just about getting folks on that boat before the rapture comes. I think there's a form of that in some sectors of the Reformed tradition, where it's, Mm -hmm. listen, we're just preaching the gospel. That's Mm -hmm. all we're going to do. And there's an antinomianism that comes with that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that grace-onlyism where there's no law whatsoever. The law doesn't have any positive function. Mm -hmm. Um, There is the separatist version of this. That's just, listen, it's about the gospel. It's about us. I don't care what's going on out in the world. I don't care what's happening in the United States. I don't care because it's just about this kingdom. It's just about this gospel. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's a biblical gospel at all. Mm -hmm. Because even if you have a narrow understanding of the gospel, it is solely about um, the, the redemption of sinners, and that the, the broader aspects of the gospel are only considered um, implications, there's still the implications. You know, there's still the two great commandments. Right. There's still the expectation that you're going to care about the people's needs mm-hmm. that are there. Mm-hmm. And I, I worry that in the pushback against social justice, we're just wrecking in another ditch that ignores the commands of Jesus throughout mm-hmm. The, throughout the scriptures, in the Gospels, throughout, throughout the writings of Paul, that we're supposed to, 
we're supposed to take this gospel and do something with it. So that's where I think we can fall into a false gospel there. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, it, you know, it does. It's interesting. You know, I was reading in Matthew 25, 24 and 25, which, yeah. you know, I, I and I look back in my earlier Christian years and, you know, you're always, you know, I, I lived under that, you know, in, 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 you know, in churches that, you know, it's like that rapture ready, you uh-huh. know, fear based kind, you know, kind of preaching, just like you right. were saying. And, you know, so when you look at, at, at Matthew 25 and, you know, and, and he's and Jesus is separating the sheep and the goats and he's asking the, you know, and the people who, you know, who are in the goat section, they're saying, you know, who are being rejected, like, you know, when do we reject you? And, and, you know, he's basically saying when you did it to the least of these, you did it for me. Well, you know, I think we can turn that on its head. I think some folks turn on its head and kind of, you know, make, po- you know, poverty you know, the central issue. But here's here's what, you, in my last reading, here was, here's what my takeaway is. Here, here's what my takeaway was. That because of the, the transformation that occurs by being rescued from the kingdom of darkness to the, king, to the kingdom of light, that it ought to impact how we see the world. I don't yes. think that it's an, I don't think it's so much an, a focus on, you know, the least of these, because there are arguments. I know, you know, I, I've seen some exegesis that's, you know, referenced uh, the least of these as his disciples. Um, yeah. I'm not necessarily convinced of that interpretation. I think it's, you know, it's something to consider, but mm-hmm. I don't think the focus is necessarily on, you know, on the poorest, on the physical porous but saying there's something about what we have been given you know in in aligning and being reconciled to the father that ought to have us concerned with the affairs of the of the world and that for me as i mentioned in our last episode when we're Mm -hmm. defining the gospel and you know you have to we don't eliminate genesis 1 and 2 right um you know, that there is a creation mandate that God did, you know, set man and woman, male and female, humanity in place to steward the earth, you know, for his glory, not for our glory, for his glory. Amen. And, you know, and Paul tells us in Ephesians 2.10 that, you know, that that God, you know, we've been set apart for good works. And those good works are not, you know, we can't overly spiritualize them. What are those good works? Because at the end of the day, we don't want to have a Gnostic gospel. We don't want to say it's only spiritual and nothing earthly matters. Because God is the, you know, God of the physical. That's why we will have resurrected bodies. That's Mm -hmm. why at the end of the Mm -hmm. day, when Jesus comes back to judge, there's, you know, you look at, you know, there's there's the the new Jerusalem is heaven coming down to earth. It's where... Heaven and earth meet. It's the spiritual and the physical where they meet. Um, and so I think you're right that, um, you know, that we can reduce the gospel so much so that it just becomes about, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, the, the spiritual aspect, you know, yeah. right beside the father. And it has no implications for how we live that out in yeah. life. Yeah. And, you know, the the gospel reconciles us back to the Lord. It also reconciles us to one another. Um, 
and that's the the beauty of union with Christ is that we're united to Jesus. Mm-hmm. But if we're all united to Jesus, that means we are united to one another as brothers and sisters. Right. And we need to be caring about brothers and sisters. That's, that's mm-hmm. a lot of Paul's letters focus really on how are we treating one another? How are we mm-hmm. talking with one another? How are we yeah. um, thinking the best of one another? You know, those, mm-hmm. those, those rules that we have for even this podcast. Are you thinking the best? Are you looking out for your brother and sister? Are you bearing with your brother and sister? Mm-hmm. But also it gets into... Um, are you feeding and and are you helping the poor? I mean, James is very clear that you need to not just pray for your brother and sister, but then make sure that they go away fed. Um, you know, don't don't just pray that they'll find a place to go. Welcome them in. Hospitality. R- Rosaria Butterfield has written this amazing book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, that talks about the importance of hospitality in yeah. a post-Christian culture. That mm-hmm. that is a way that we're able to reach people with the saving news of Jesus' death and resurrection, um, is by loving people where they are, by caring about where they are. And it's hard for me to say that we care about our neighbor if we don't care about the society that our neighbor lives in. And, and so that's why I think we have to be careful when we narrow the gospel and we say, okay, it is about the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Okay, I don't necessarily limit it there, but okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm willing to go there, provided the implications of the gospel aren't so secondary that they get forgotten. You know, so the gospel is over here, but then way back there, you might touch on an implication once in a while. Um, I don't know how these folks preach to be honest, because um, as you're going through the Old and New Testaments, you're not just preaching the death and, and resurrection of Jesus Christ if you're preaching through the Bible, because the Bible talks about a lot of other stuff too. Um, I'm concerned, and maybe maybe overly concerned, maybe this isn't as prevalent as it seems to be. It's just in the pushback to social justice, and the pushback against it, I'm seeing another version of, it's, it's a cousin really, to the social gospel. It's just, it, it's, it, it's not the same thing. It's the other side of the coin, but it is the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think these are, these are some of the false gospels that I think are starting to get their way into the church. We have to be careful of um, that we, we pay attention to what our brothers and sisters are reading and listening to and being influenced by. Um, right. That we not take... Um, every opportunity we have to really go at one another and then leave open this barn door for other ideologies to come in that pose as Christian, but we're too busy infighting to notice mm-hmm. these other things coming in and causing problems. Right. Um, now, we're, we're already running a bit long on this podcast, so we're going to go ahead and take a break here. Um, we do hope to, to talk about a couple of the other things. In the future, we'll probably touch on civil religion, because I think that's another... Um, form of a false gospel. And mm-hmm. there's the liberal version and there's the conservative version. And I think we want to talk about that a little bit. I don't know if we'll get to that next week. Um, but we are going to keep talking a little bit more about how the gospel implications. Um, sometimes we disagree about some of these implications. Mm-hmm. How do we how do we get past that impasse? Um, and, and that's really the heart of this podcast. So we know what the gospel is. And even though, Lisa, you and I disagree on some of these other things, um, even though we disagree on how you define the gospel, per se, we're not outside of orthodoxy, either of us. No. And um, we want our listeners to hear this and say, listen, I need to be a little bit more courteous. 
I need to speak with more courtesy about those brothers and sisters I disagree with when it comes to how we even define the gospel. Um, some folks are going to be writing emails and uh, calling presbyteries and stuff like that after hearing this, and they can do that if they want. But <laughs> really, what I want people to hear is this. At the core yeah. of both of our gospel messages is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that if you do not put your trust in him, then you are without hope. And so, you know, I am under no uh, illusions that everybody listening to this is a Christian. And so I just want to take a second and say this. If you are one of those social justice warriors, kind of like myself, and if you really love um, the work of the church as it fights injustice and as it fights the, the problems in our society... Don't miss the message of the cross. And don't miss that all of your social justice activism will not save you, but it is the finished work of Jesus Christ that saves you. And so Mm -hmm. if you're relying on being a really good social justice advocate, praise God, I'm glad you're doing that. But I'm asking you, would you take a second and consider whether or not you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Um, Have you repented of your sin? Have you given over all your efforts to him that he would be the one to actually save because it's his power. And, and really, why are we rejoicing in the end? We don't rejoice in the end because of all the great things we do. But as Luke um, told us, we rejoice because our name is written down in heaven. So if that's you, take a minute. And, and if, if you want to know more about that, you can email us, you can write us, or, or you know, better yet, go to a local church and ask the pastor and have that conversation. Um, that is it for us here at Family Discussion. Lisa, thank you so much for this conversation. And uh, we'll see you all next week. All right. Bye. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's Family Discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus, including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reform Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next Family Discussion. Thank you.